reading is from John, of course, chapter 14. hope you've kept your finger in the place. And we're reading on from verse 15 to the end of the chapter. And Christ continues, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. Also, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not mine own. They belong to the father who sent me. And this I have spoken whilst still with you. But the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to the world, oh, sorry, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Yeah, thanks, uh, Keith, for the invitation to come and talk about Bible League at, uh, and Elders and for the opportunity to share from God's Word. Let's pray as we come to God's Word. Father God, uh, your scripture tells us that you are, um, your Word is um, a light, a lamp. Psalm 119, 105, your lamp, your, your Word is a lamp and a light unto my path. Lord, thank you that the scriptures are so freely available in this country. And Lord, we just ask for 
free passage of your word in those countries where that's not so. And we pray these things through your son's loving name. Amen. Early uh, Christmas 1984, I, um, I took my dad to his home in Megalong Valley. I picked him up from my brother's place. I, at that stage, I was living in Sydney. I picked him up from my brother's place in Springwood and by the time, and he mentioned he was getting some tingling sensations in his legs on the trip. And by the time we arrived at Megalong, his home in Megalong, um, his legs had actually stopped functioning. So I rang Graham, my brother. He got hold of a doctor in Springwood. He got shipped to Nepean. Well, we got him back to, I got him back to Springwood. He got shipped to Nepean then straight on to RPA. And we were told later that evening that Dad's had an undiagnosed tumour that had hit him in the spine and he was... Um, paralysed from the mid-chest down and he wouldn't live much longer. In fact, he didn't make it to Christmas, to, um, to Australia Day. He was only 72 years of age. And I'm one of five kids. There's a, we're a cluster of... There's only six years and four months between us five. My mum was a psychiatric nurse. There's a reason for that. Um, yeah. And I tell you what, it was a really tough time. Just, just, just It was so unexpected and there was property stuff and... and uh, yeah, so when things like that happen, like we're really not well equipped. And I know my heart was aching. I was asked to do the sermon. And I'm not, I wasn't a Christian at that stage. I was asked to do the service. And that was really tough. You know, it's when those sort of things ha- happen, like despair and helplessness are just things that feel like there's a thick fog we're, we're living in and even breathing seems hard. Um, now, when actually, I hope you've got your Bibles open at John 14. Um, when Jesus breaks the news he's going away, his disciples were fearful and desperate. In fact, they were actually terrified. And they had questions too. Um, and Caleb, thanks for the kids' talk because you gave me a great lead in there. Ch- chapter 13 to 14, Jesus is actually talking about his pending death and he's sharing it with his disciples. And it was all going to happen very quickly. And we know Jesus was fearful too because he questioned his father. Back in Matthew 26, 39 and 42, he says, is there another way? Is there another way? So what does Jesus say to his disciples? What does Jesus say to us today? Now, most of us, as I said, we're not well equipped when it comes to grief and anxiety and stress. We really don't know what to say. And sometimes we can be really anxious about whether we're going to say the right thing and maybe not. And maybe sometimes we say the things that we probably shouldn't have said. So question, what's sitting heavily on your heart today? Any anxieties, any worries, grief, stress maybe? Well, Jesus has words for us this morning that if we're willing to hear them, they actually have the power to give us real comfort, real comfort. So sit back and feel the weight of Jesus' words as they speak into your heart like a big doona on a Blackheath night. Let's start. So from verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you I was going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. He opens in verse 1 with, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he repeats that later in verse 27. And right now Jesus is saying to us, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And Jesus is actually saying, trust me. 
And Jesus says in verses 2 to 4, look forward, look to the future, a place is waiting for you, it's ready, and I will actually escort you to that place. It's all sorted, so trust me. What incredible comfort. Now, that's why better than my first ever solo business trip to start to, to Europe. It started well. I got a travel agent to book the big, the big things like the airfares and, and uh, an accommodation one night in Bangkok on the way over. I got a good, some really good travel tips from a mate of mine who'd been with Qantas Air Crew. He even gave me a, a couple of backup hotels and that. And anyway, when I got to the to check-in, they were checking my bag straight through to London, but I was having an overnighter in Bangkok and I'm going, hang on, you've got the two fares 24 hours apart, but how come my bags are going? You can't get an airline to do that for you if you want them to. But anyway, so anyway, I arrived in Bangkok with my bags, which is really good because it was really stressful before we'd even got out of there. Flight, the flight was amazing. Hopped in a cab. I said, how much is it going to cost me to go to this particular hotel my agent had given me? She said, he said, a thousand baht. Well, I knew from my Qantas mate that it was only going to cost 300 baht, so I ended up arguing with the cabbie. And the cabbies, I ended up saying, mate, just let me out of here. I had no idea. I'd never been to Bangkok before in my life. I had no idea what I was going to do with bags. And so anyway, we agreed on the 300 baht fare. It took me to this flash hotel. My travel agent had never been heard of in that hotel. I didn't have a booking so I had to go and get in the same cabbie and get him to send me to a, a cheap hotel. Yeah, so that was the first day. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more of that story tonight, of the, the next three weeks in Europe. It's a bit like Paul's trip to Rome, shipwrecks and everything. Okay, so yeah, so I got my bags. Unlike my experience, this is what Jesus is saying to us. The travel plans are all taken care of, they're guaranteed, they're secured, the room is booked, there's clean sheets on the bed, there's nothing to bring, there'll be no surprises. It's all supplied. On top of that, I've personally arranged everything and furthermore, I will come with you. What an incredible comfort. We actually get the planner as our personal guide. Now Thomas, of course, is still worried and he says to Jesus that question about, how do we know? What do we? And then Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, friends, the way is clear. If you know Jesus, you can't get lost. There's no travel upsets. There's no getting ripped off by the taxi driver. Jesus, in fact, is everything. He's the check-in lady, the cabin steward, the pilot, the plane, the plane, the cab driver, the concierge, the bellboy, and even the room cleaner. There'll be no arguments, no confusion, no unforeseen costs, no hiccups. What Jesus is not saying. It's like our Hindu friends. There are many ways to God. That's what Jesus is not saying. He says you don't need options and backup plans. No, he is saying I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now these words, I am the way, often fire up some of our moderns in our tolerant society. And our modern culture actually rejects the notion of the only way to God. But they are in fact words of comfort. Jesus saying, if you trust me, it's all taken care of. Now, the way to eternal life isn't about us doing all sorts of things in some religious, all these religious ceremonies. No, Jesus said, unless you let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. Jesus is the only way and his death takes all our uncleanliness, washes us totally clean, makes us accessible to the Father, to God, into the very presence of God himself, into his house. What incredible words of comfort they are. Now the second words of comfort in this passage talks about the Father. 
Now, God is our heavenly father, but depending on our upbringing and our, our, our earthly father experience, sometimes we can get a bit disconnected with what heavenly father and earthly father look like. Some people um, may see their father as harsh and angry and maybe just uncomfortable and feel disconnected. Some people may see their father as a distant sort of father, a workaholic who's never home and that they rarely see, guilty as charged. Some people like think of God like a generous grandfather, like a, some sort of heavenly Santa Claus that will give you everything you ask. We just have to ask. And it's just his duty to respond. Um, and some people can see God, based on our own father, as incredibly strict, a tyrant, full of rules and punishment. And we could spend our whole life trying to please this God and not get on his bad side and have him angry with us. Now, we know from our own experience that father and heavenly father house may feel a little bit disconnected. So what's the father really like and how can we know? Or are we just left guessing and really find out when we die? Listen to what Jesus says about this in chapter 9, in verse 9, I should say. Jesus answered to Philip, You know me, Philip. Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you aren't of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So we can know exactly what the Father is like because we know what Jesus is like, like Father, like Son. This has never been so true, like father, like son. Anyone who's seen me has seen the father, Jesus said. You want to know what God looks like? Look at his son. All through the gospel, this particular gospel, John's gospel, we see what Jesus is like. We, we, we read from chapter 1, verse 14, that, God, that we learn that he's full of grace. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is overflowing with grace. And we see this with his interaction with the Samaritan woman, the paralyzed man at the pool, healing the blind men, the feeding of the big lunch crowd, Peter's denial, Lazarus, Martha and Mary. Jesus is full of grace, overflowing with grace and compassion, and he's full of truth. Grace and truth, no lies, no deceit, and every word is, can be trusted, especially these words this morning of I am the way. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus said, and the Father is everything that Jesus was, nothing less, in fact, even greater. The Father is so good that Jesus is ready, the time has come, he is looking forward to getting back with his Father. He says to his disciples how much he really wanted to be back with his Father, and he said, you'll be joyful for me. Look at verse 28. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will not be disappointed when you get to meet your heavenly Father. Don't let your hearts be troubled. The Father has a place for you. My, my Father, Jesus says my Father is good and you will rejoice when you finally meet him. So that's the second one on comfort. There's a shift at verse 15 to more like future language. Look at it with me. Verse 15 says this. If you love me, 
Keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus is saying while we wait for the day, he will not leave us alone. And he says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And it is not just the spirit that will come. Somehow God the Father, God the Son will all come and live in us. You see, the Father and the Son are with us because the Holy Spirit is in us. Verse 20, on that day you will realise that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you, interdependently linked. Verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Can you see what incredible comfort that is? The disciples are in the upper room. They've shared the Passover meal. Jesus has washed their feet and they are terrified. They've just heard Jesus is leaving them and they've just heard that, the, that one, one is going to betray him and not only that one of his closest friends is going to betray him, another is actually going to deny him. And in the very next breath, thank you, Caleb, in the very next breath, the next verse after he predicts Peter's denial, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust also in me. Isn't that remarkable? He doesn't rescue them from the midst of their trials and anguish. In the face of death and betrayal and denial, Jesus is asking his disciples to simply trust him. He wants them to be comforted, sure. But not all will be comforted because, you see, Judas is not in the room. Judas has already left. There is no room in the Father's house for anyone who rejects Jesus because Jesus is the way to the Father. Friends, there is no real lasting comfort apart from Jesus. But for followers of Jesus, Jesus speaks directly into our deepest fears. Can we trust his words? We sure can. Everything in this passage is stripped of shame true. He was betrayed. He was denied. He was killed. And he did come back to life. And the risen Lord Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. Friends, what troubles? What troubles are sitting heavily on your heart this morning? Maybe like Thomas, maybe you're a bit unsure about the future. Life may seem out of control. This COVID thing's been back and forth. Maybe as we look back on our life, we discover that there's things there that we wish we hadn't said, done. And we look forward and there's a, an unknown. Who knows what's around the corner? Friends, if you're scared of the future and you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Maybe you're full of doubts about God. Maybe you're even wondering if he's there. Just wishing he'd give, us, give you a sign, maybe something, that, to, just to hang on to. Jesus says he's already given you the sign. You have a father who loves you deeply and has shown himself fully in his son Jesus. Now trust him. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now I'm not sure what your deepest fear is. I know I sit with a few. I don't know what worries you the most. I'm sure it shapes you, it changes the way you act, it shapes what you do. 
Maybe it's the fear of being left alone or abandoned, used up, neglected. Maybe it's the fear of not having what it takes or being found out or the fear of failing, maybe the fear of succeeding even, the fear of being noticed or maybe not being noticed. Maybe it is a fear of being un feeling unloved because you think you've done something that makes you unlovable. Into our inner world of chaos and turmoil, Jesus says, peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Amen.